Hello, and welcome back to Two Crows Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Holmes. If you are a fan of the strange, dark, and mysterious like I am, told in story format, this fictional podcast is for you. Fast food horror can be found on most podcast sites and is extremely thrilling. They dive into different cases, studies, monsters, and downright creepy events. I personally can't get enough, and I know you'll love it too. So pull up a chair and get a healthy serving of thrills and chills, and let them know that Tyler sent you there. This cryptid, I guess you can call it, has been highly requested and it doesn't come from one particular state. Appearing innocent and helpless, they will approach you in the evening. They will look just like any other child. Small, harmless, helpless. But then you notice something different as their face turns towards yours. You begin to feel that knot grow in the pit of your stomach. You gulp. The calm, eerie silence surrounding the small figure throws off everything you associate with children. When they move, it is like the world around them sits still. They do not look you in the eye at first, which is typical of children, but when they do, when their eyes meet yours, all of those unnerving feelings surface. The eyes are... The windows to the soul and theirs are piercing black marbles staring straight at you with little expression. May I come in to watch television? The child asks. This request is quite odd of an adult that they do not know. Where are this child's parents? They look so vacant and almost otherworldly. Are you dreaming? You Do not answer the child's question. It doesn't feel real. In the same tone and cadence, they repeat themselves. May I come in to watch television? It's almost as if the voice came from a recording and not the child before you. You know it is wrong, but you feel a spell of desire to allow the child's request. You gaze back towards them. The appearance hits you once more and you can feel the blood drain from your face. May I come in to watch television? Your courage to do what feels so wrong, but also so right, comes over you. You rush to close the door, avoiding the question altogether, sinking to the base of the door, praying they leave a gentle... You clench your eyes tighter, closed, and another sound appears. You hear the voice once more. May I come in to watch television? Then you hear the tap on the window, feet away, almost seconds from the voice. Is there a second child around? You crawl to the window and close the curtains. The voice leaves your lips and you shout no. And as quickly as it arrived, all the sounds disappear. 
You muster up the courage after a few moments to go check outside and all that's left is a foul odor. What happened? What was this? You try to forget about it, knowing if you told anyone they would think you were crazy. The black-eyed children, or black-eyed kids in American contemporary legend, are paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16. They are said to have pale skin and black eyes who are reportedly seen hitchhiking or begging, or are encountered on doorsteps of residential homes. They tend to be dressed in old-fashioned clothes. Sometimes they are newer, but always dark in color, never bright or vibrant. They appear overly proper, but routine, like a computer telling you you have mail. They seem pushy and almost aggressive, and insist on getting inside of your home or vehicle. Whether the black-eyed children are myth or fact, urban legends have to start somewhere, and many have some basis of truth. Most arise from something that did happen, and a game of banana phone causes it to be exaggerated. Although there are a lot of accounts for these black-eyed children, and you can make a decision for yourself on whether or not you think their story is real. One thing that is consistent is that the children begin their encounter with a knock. Even if there is a doorbell, they will never use it. They will tap on the door or a window to get your attention. Another constant is that they respond as if they are a recording and not converse with you. They have very limited responses and seem to have one goal in mind, and that is to get inside. Some believe that black-eyed children made themselves known in the 30s or 40s. There are some accounts from that time. Most say that they made themselves the most well-known in the 80s, but the first real account that was published was in 1996. It's a writing from Brian Bethel, and he is the one that encountered the black-eyed children himself as an author in a magazine. Here is his story. Sometime last year, I was contacted by a television program that wanted to interview me about a strange event that happened a few years ago. With a touch of reluctance, I agreed. So here it goes. Near as I can figure, this happened in 1996. I've managed to pin down the date that far. I feel like it happened in the spring or summer since I remember wearing a pair of shorts, but one of my great regrets is not recording the actual date of this event. After you hear the story, you'd think it would be something you'd never forget, but given enough time between, that's not the case. My memory, while good, isn't quite edetic. I had gone down to the former site of Camelot Communications, one of the area's original internet providers, to pay my bill. At the time, Camelot was located on North First Street near the movie theater in the shadow of what is now Chase, then Bank One. 
I was using the light of the theater's marquee to write out my check, which I plan to put in Camelot's night drop slot. Involved in my work, I never heard them approach. There was a knock on my driver's side window. Two young boys, somewhere between 9 to 12 years old and dressed in hooded pullovers, stood outside. I cracked the window a bit, anticipating a spiel for money, but I was immediately gripped by an incomprehensible, soul-wracking fear. I had no idea why. A conversation ensued between one boy a somewhat suave, olive-skinned, curly-headed young man, and myself. The other, a red-headed, pale-skinned, freckled young man, stayed in the background. The spokesman, as I've come to think of him, told me that he and his companion needed a ride. They wanted to see a movie, Mortal Kombat, but they had left their money at their mother's house. Could I give them a ride? Plausible enough, but all throughout this exchange, the irrational fear continued and grew. I had no reason to be frightened of these two boys, but I was, terribly. After a bit more conversation, I looked up at the theater marquee and down at the digital clock in my car. Mortal Kombat's last show of the night had already started. By the time I could have driven the boys anywhere and back, it would practically have been over. All the while, the spokesman uttered assurances. It wouldn't take long. They were just two little kids. They didn't have a gun or anything. The last part was a bit unnerving. I noticed that my hand had strayed towards the lock on my door. I pulled it away, perhaps a bit too violently. In the short time, I had broken the gaze of the spokesman. Something had changed, and my mind exploded in a vortex of all-consuming terror. Both boys stared at me with coal-black eyes. The sort of eyes one sees these days on aliens or bargain-basement vampires on late-night television. Soulless orbs, like the great swaths of starless night. I did what I feel any rational person would do. I full-on freaked out inside while trying to appear completely sane and calm. I apologized to the kids. I made whatever excuse came to mind, all of them designed to get me the hell out of there. Fast, the aura of fear was now palpable. Black hanging thing, almost as if reality itself was warping around me. I wrapped my hand around the gear shift, threw the car into reverse, and began to roll up the window, apologizing all the while. My fear must have been evident. The boy in the back wore a look of confusion. The spokesman banged sharply on the window as I rolled it up, his words full of anger echo in my mind even today. We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in. 
I drove out of the parking lot in blind fear, and I'm surprised I didn't sideswipe a car or two along the way. I stole a quick look in my rearview mirror before peeling out into the night. The boys were gone. Even if they had run, I don't believe there was any place they could have hidden from view that quickly. I write for a lot of reasons. I'd do it even if I didn't get paid to do so. So I wrote down the story of what happened, more or less as cathartic exercise, and shared it with a small group of friends on an email list. From there, it got out onto the wider internet and grew and grew and grew. Type my name in Google. You'll find it soon enough. In time, there was a term coined for what I'd seen. B.E.K.'s. Black-eyed kids. I wouldn't have chosen it, personally, but it's the acronym the internet knows. I'm pretty easy to track down, and so I still get calls, emails, and inquiries from people all over the world who want to know more about what I saw, what I think they were, and what the encounter means in some cosmic sense. I've been contacted by everyone from Korean television stations planning New Year's Eve shows to regular people who just wanted to talk. More interesting to me has been sporadic, but more than occasional. Contact from people who think they may have seen something similar. Some narratives follow the template of my original encounter a bit too slavishly, and those are easy to dismiss, but others have a more than subtle ring of the same sort of panic and helplessness that I felt. Similar experiences have been now in places from suburban neighborhoods to your standard dark alleys throughout the country, possibly beyond. Kids like the ones I saw have allegedly been seen wandering through certain 24-hour big box retailers in the middle of the night and banging on front doors of numerous witnesses. Are all of these encounters true? unlikely. Are there enough to at least reinforce my belief that I encountered something truly strange? Definitely. That chilling experience is far from alone, like he said in that statement. Many, many stories have surfaced, but few admit to having let them in. On November 19, 1992, a man was watching Evil Dead while his wife and children were sound asleep in their rooms upstairs. It was 1.30 in the morning when he decided to head to bed after the movie was over. Suddenly, there was a loud pounding on his front door, and what stood behind the door would change his life forever. There stood a boy and a girl, eight and eleven, respectively, who never looked up and were standing barefoot in the Michigan winter. Despite his anger, the man allowed the children to enter and allowed them to phone their parents, 
but when he went to lend them the phone, they were gone. In the dead silence, he heard the first scream coming from one of the upstairs bedrooms. When the man reached his wife's room, he was met by the devastating sight of his wife in a pool of blood and terrifying sounds of bones snapping and flesh ripping and saw the bare feet of the children he had just let in the home. Before he could act, the barefoot children moved swiftly to his kid's room and locked the door. Despite the man's best efforts, he could not help the children and stood helplessly behind the door. When the act was done, the door slowly creaked open, and there stood the barefoot children covered in blood. They stood defiantly with awful grins and eyes completely black with the devil himself. Now, people wonder if this is a convenient story for the father who killed his family, or if there is the slight chance that he is telling the truth and his family fell victim to the black-eyed children. In January 2016, a woman in Vermont made the tragic mistake of letting two black-eyed children into her home. A blizzard was raging outside when she heard a faint knocking on her front door. A boy and a girl stood there, shivering, begging to use her phone. Unnerved by their presence, the woman nevertheless let them in and went to retrieve her phone. After the children walked into the light of the family room, the woman realized their eyes were completely black. As she stared at them in horror, her husband's nose began to bleed at the same time that the power suddenly went out. After what felt like an eternity, the children spoke in unison, saying their parents had arrived. The woman watched as the two quietly left the house and entered a nondescript black car with a man in a suit. Not long after the strange encounter, the woman's husband was diagnosed with severe skin cancer. The woman began to suffer from regular nosebleeds and an onslaught of other medical issues. She's convinced her failing health along with her husband's is the result of the black-eyed children she unwittingly let into their home. Now, those two stories were told from the families. This next one has given me quite eerie feelings and made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. A registered nurse named Sharon living in Iowa was a mother to an eight-year-old son. After a long shift, they stopped to pick up some milk at a local convenience store. The sun had just begun to set on this Sunday evening. She recalled not wanting to take too long and was exhausted and wanting to retreat to her home. She needed to rest up before her next long shift. She parked right in front of the store and her son asked to stay behind while she ran in quickly. She could see the car from the inside of the small gas station convenience store, so she agreed and ran in and grabbed some milk and a box of cereal. She paid and went back out to the vehicle. The whole time couldn't have been more than five minutes. She looks in her car, and as she opens the door, she realizes her son is no longer alone. There was another child sitting in the SUV. Immediately, the hair on the back of her neck stood up. 
This child was anything but ordinary. The boy was sitting almost on top of her son, very much in his space, in the back seat of the very large SUV. Of course, as we know, the boy's eyes were also black and expressionless. Fear rushed over Sharon, and she quickly reacted. She got out of the car, throwing the door open, and grabbing her son out of the back seat. She shouted to the clerk that someone was in her car. He got up and went outside to check out what was going on. He saw that the car was running, the driver's side, front and back doors were open, and the car was completely empty. She was second-guessing herself. She felt silly, but also still extremely terrified. The clerk offered to let her use the phone to call 911, but she knew that they would just think she's overreacting, that a child was in her vehicle and that she's so scared. Instead, she took up the offer to use the phone to dial her husband, who had been home for a while. She asked him to come down to the convenience store in order to follow her home and switch vehicles with her because she was terrified of getting back in the SUV. He heard the terror in her voice and asked very little questions before rushing down to help her. She told him when he got there that she was scared to get back into the SUV and would please take her truck and the eight-year-old home. The visual imprinted on her mind of that black-eyed child. She just couldn't shake it. Her husband really believed her fear, not necessarily the story and that it was accurate, but he believed that she was truly terrified. He agreed, took the SUV keys, got her and the son in the truck, and she drove off. He decided to go in and check with the clerk before following her home. After talking to the clerk for a while, he got into the SUV and smelled a horrendous smell. He described it as dirty diapers. He got out of the SUV again and started looking all over for what could be causing the smell. Possibly the eight-year-old had left behind some food garbage that had rotted away. This smell was so bad, he was gagging and felt physically ill from it. He didn't find anything, so he rolled the windows down in order to drive home. As a side note, many other cases of black-eyed children also have accounted smelling the same horrific smell where they once stood, even long after the children are gone. During this time, Sharon had arrived at home. She was able to sit down with her son and ask about his experience. She had not yet had a moment to go over the events with him. She asked if he had known the boy that had been sitting so close to him, if he possibly went to his school or played at the park, and her son said no, he had never seen the boy before in his life. Sharon asked what the child wanted, and her son responded that the boy had asked for a ride to their house. She asked if the boy just climbed into the car before talking to her son, and he replied, Oh no, mommy. He said he was not allowed to unless I asked him. End quote. The phone rang as this conversation ended. It was the hospital telling her that her husband had been in a horrible accident and the SUV had been wrapped around a telephone pole. 
Her husband needed to stay there to be observed and checked over. Tom, her husband, did not understand how the accident happened and could not even remember the accident. He said when the smell could not be located, he had rolled all the windows down to drive home, and he wondered if something in that smell, a gas or something, could have blacked him out or caused him to get sick in a way that caused the accident. But with the windows down, even if it was a gas, that didn't make much sense. He recovered in the hospital, and a couple days later, he was able to go home. A few days after he was home, their son became extremely ill. At first it appeared to be a cold, but medications and remedies were not alleviating any of the symptoms, and days later he grew more sick. They brought their son to the hospital when it seemed like the illness would not pass on its own. The doctor told them that the boy had a flu and sent them home with instructions to keep him hydrated and take fever reducers. They waited a couple of days at home and the sickness seemed to only get worse, so they brought him back to the doctor. The doctor said that the symptoms appeared to present as measles now, but he was vaccinated, which was extremely rare to contract measles with a vaccination. They decided to test him for it and it was negative. The symptoms continued to change and mutate to completely new illnesses throughout the next few weeks and the doctor was stumped. Sharon believed strongly that the proximity to the black-eyed boy caused the illness. She had only been in the SUV for a few seconds, so she did not get the effects. Her son had been right next to that boy for multiple minutes. Her husband was in the car for a while searching for that smell, and she believed that was the cause of his accident. A few weeks later, after multiple illnesses, their son miraculously recovered and it was like he was back to his usual self, like it never happened. Maybe the effects of the black-eyed children only last a certain amount of time depending on how long you are with them. All I know is that if I get a knock on my door or my car window, I will check the eyes of whatever child it is to make sure that it's safe to let them in. What are your thoughts on the black-eyed children? Do you think they're real? Do you think it's mass hysteria? Or something people just make up for attention? Do you have your own story? I would love to hear about it. I will post the email in the description. Thank you so much for joining us on Two Crows. If you have a cryptid or a paranormal event that you would like me to cover, feel free to email it or comment on the platform of your choosing. As we dive deeper into spooky season, I have a few stories up my sleeves to hopefully bring a little chill to your spine. Thank you for joining us in the crow's nest. Until next time, crow out.